And now for something completely different. Superman. This is episode 13, and as always, I'm your host, Michael Bradley. It's hard to believe that we've hit 13 episodes already. I know that's a relatively small number. There's podcasts out there that have been doing it a lot longer than I have. In fact, I think I'm still one of the newest Superman podcasts on the block. But back at the end of last year, I recorded a few episodes before the show launched in January, And when I was doing those, 13 episodes just seemed so far away, and now here we are. So, I know I've said it before, but it really can't be said enough, and I just want to thank everyone that listens, that has downloaded the show, and to my fellow podcasters that have promoted the show. It it means a lot that the show has been so warmly received, and that I've gotten the support that I have. So, like I said, this is episode 13, and this time out, we're going to be doing something just a little bit different because this episode is coming out on a fifth week. Now, explaining what a fifth week is, its origin, and how it relates to the show, it's going to require a little bit of backstory. My favorite era of the Superman comics, hands down, is the post-crisis stuff, specifically from about 1990 to 2001 or so. And if I can shamelessly plug, that's all being covered right now on From Crisis to Crisis, so be sure to check that out. That that era is my favorite may seem a little bit strange coming from a guy that's hosting not one but two Golden Age podcasts, but it's true. Don't get me wrong, though. With a history as diverse as Superman's, there's just a lot to love. I mean, I love Superman. All eras and incarnations, and I can find something redeemable in just about every version of the characters. Some are a little harder, sure, and there's definitely some stinkers within each take, but... There's just something about the character that, for me, makes him enjoyable throughout the years. I used to post on a comics-related forum, and the signature line on my post there said something to the effect of that I like the square-jawed toughness of the Golden Age Superman, and the fun creativity of the Silver Age Superman, and the epic legend of the Bronze Age Superman, and the more grounded sensibility of the post-crisis stuff. But... If you trapped me on a desert island with only one version of the character, I would definitely want it to be that era that I mentioned, from about 1990 to 2001. This era is commonly known as the Triangle Era, and it's nicknamed as such because of the addition of a little triangle numbering system on the covers of the books. In 1991, Superman was in four monthly titles, Action Comics, Adventures of Superman, Superman, and Superman the Man of Steel. And it was around this time, or a little before, actually, that the creative teams of the four books started working together to tell an ongoing story. Ever since the post-crisis reboot, the titles were, for the most part, you know, pretty closely aligned. If a major event or change happened in one title, the ramifications of that were felt in the other books. 
But in the early 90s, the four books became one continuous narrative from week to week, with major and minor plot lines often carrying over from one title to the next. For instance, an arc might start in Superman the Man of Steel, continue into Superman, then go on to the other books, and so on. Starting with Superman number 51, which was the first book published with the 1991 cover date, a little triangle was added to the cover of each book, indicating for the readers the order the books were meant to be read in. And this, the shape of that was eventually changed to a shield shape, but still, this era is often referred to as the Triangle Era in reference to that numbering system. The pros and cons of that type of storytelling was it was often debated among fans, and really it still is. Some fans liked the cohesiveness of the four titles, but others didn't really like having to pick up three books that they might not otherwise read in order to follow the story in one. But regardless, this era of the books produced some very well-known and much-loved storylines, such as Panic in the Sky, and more famously the Doomsday, Funeral for a Friend, and Reign of the Superman trilogy. With this publishing schedule, there was a new Superman book on the stands four weeks out of every month. Every week of the year, except during those months where there were five Wednesdays in a month, the dreaded fifth week. These were terrible weeks when Superman fans would have to be without a new book featuring their favorite hero. In fact, there would often be few books at all on the stands that week because the ongoing books were usually scheduled on four-week cycles, so we fans would have to wait an extra week for the next chapter in the story. That is, however, until 1995. In late spring of that year, DC debuted a fifth Superman title. Superman, The Man of Tomorrow, which was to be a quarterly title published on those fifth weeks, giving a new Superman comic each and every week of the year. I remember this being a very big deal at the time. Uh, DC was running ads, and I have vague memories of news blurbs in Wizard and other trade papers. As a reader at the time, I remember being very excited about the new title. Not only did it give me that much more Superman to devour, but the first issue also brought Lex Luthor back to the titles, in a new youthful body that I'm not really going to say too much more about, because Michael and Jeffrey will be covering that sooner or later, and I really want you to check out their show, and I don't want to spoil ahead on what they're going to be covering, but you really should check out what they're doing. Anyway, Lex was back, which was a big deal in and of itself, because the character had been pretty much out of commission for about a year. And a year may not seem like a long time now, but back then it was almost an eternity because storylines, they weren't as drawn out as they are today. Uh, today, a year might just be the first act of a story, but back then it, you would get several stories within that year. But I'm getting off topic. Just as exciting as Lex's return was the fact that the book also brought back one of my favorite Superman writers, Roger Stern who had previously had a six-year run on Action Comics about a year prior, and he had also written the novelization of the uh, Death and Return of Superman story. It also saw the return of penciler Tom Grummet, a fantastic penciler who had done a lengthy stint on Adventures of Superman, but left shortly after Reign of the Superman to pencil the new Superboy series as well as the new Robin series. And if all that wasn't enough... Inking Grummet was Brett Breeding, 
who has a very slick inking style and is one of my favorite inkers from the Superman books of this era. So for me, and I'm sure a lot of other fans, this was just a whole lot of awesome wrapped up in 32 pages. I mean, we had Stern, we had Grummet, Breeding, Luthor, a new Superman book every week of the year. It was just a good time to be a Superman fan. The first issue as well had an absolutely beautiful cover by Tom Grummet and Breeding that shows Superman flying through space with the Earth behind him and the sun is cresting from behind the Earth. It's just a beautiful cover, so much so that they really should have made a poster of it, even though it features the much maligned long-haired Superman. Anyway, Superman the Man of Tomorrow, though conceived as a quarterly title, didn't quite make that schedule. It would ultimately publish 16 issues before getting cancelled in late 1999. The reason it didn't quite make that quarterly schedule is because in 1997, DC conceived of another method to fill some of those barren fifth weeks, the fifth week event. Over the next three to four years, DC would come out with several of these fifth week events. Some were a series of one-shots that were based around a common theme. One of these was the New Year's Evil event in 1997. It was kind of similar in premise to the Faces of Evil books that DC had in late 2008, except that, you know, some of these were actually good. <laughs> okay, that was... maybe that was a little snarky. But anyway, the event had eight books, and each starred a villain from the DC Universe. One of them focused on a Superman villain, Mr. Mixius Pitalik. The cover of that one, I remember, was pretty good. It was by artist Jason Pearson, and it was a parody of the cover to Superman number 123 that introduced the Electric Blue Superman costume about nine months prior. The story inside was a bit goofy because it had Mix going into the world of his comic books, and we get all of these quick spoofs of comics in our world. Uh, there was the Just Us League of America. There was Aquaman Man, who had a giant toothbrush where his left hand should be, because this was the 90s, and this was, uh, in the 90s, Aquaman lost his hand to, uh, I believe it got bitten off by a school of piranhas or some such, but he had replaced it with a hook. So here, Aquaman Man had a toothbrush where his hand should be. And there was also Superman, where the symbol on his chest was a, was a large can of soup. Other books in the New Year's Evil event uh, featured characters like Prometheus, who would go on to play a big role in the Grant Morrison JLA. And there was another book that introduced Gog, who was the villain of a book that I'm going to talk about in a minute, that served as a sequel to Kingdom Come, which kind of makes the Gog book a prequel to a sequel, which is kind of strange. Another of these events was Girl Frenzy, which focused on the female characters of the DC Universe. One book was centered on Lois Lane, Another introduced The Secret, who would become a part of Young Justice. And there was also a Tomorrow Woman book, a Batgirl book, etc. The Lois Lane book wasn't very good, if I remember correctly. It had Lois going on the story of some missing children and fighting genetically engineered polar bears. Yeah. Though the art was by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, though, so... You know, it that's some of um, that's some of Connor's earliest work for DC, I think. So, 
if you're a Connor fan, well, I'm not going to recommend you check it out because, like I said, it has Lois Lane fighting polar bears, for crying out loud. But there you go. Other events would have two bookend titles and then one-shots in the middle. These one-shots weren't always required reading to understand the bookend titles, but they just helped fill out the story that the bookend titles were telling. One of these was the Kingdom event, which is the book that I mentioned earlier that was a sequel to Kingdom Come. This had the bookend titles and five one-shots in the center. None of the books were specifically about Superman, but because it was a sequel to Kingdom Come, the whole thing was pretty Superman heavy. And in fact, you could say it is a Superman event, even though it isn't labeled as such. There was also a Green Lantern event called Circle of Fire. I never read that one, but I heard good and bad things about it. And there was also a an event focused on the Justice Society, which brought them back into the spotlight before the launch of JSA in 1999. Superman played a bigger role in the JLA-centric event called Justice Leagues, which involved a villain known as the Advanced Man using Hector Hammond to cause the world to forget that the Justice League ever existed. I don't really remember being too fond of that story when I read it off the rack, and I haven't ever read it again. But from what I do remember, Superman's role in it wasn't that big. The story is of particular note, though, because it's the closest Supergirl ever got to being a JLA member until the Kara Zor-El version joined outright in 2010. Other fifth-week events would try to combine the two models of being a series of one-shots joined only by a common theme and a series of books that joined together for one story. And these events for me were the best, though I think that has more to do with the premise behind them than the, the model they used for the storytelling. One of these was the Tangent events in 1997 and 1998. These were a series of books that created new characters using established DC names. For instance, the Superman of the Tangent universe was just an ordinary guy who was evolving at an extraordinary rate which caused him to develop mental powers and, you know, superhuman abilities. The Power Girl of that universe was a super soldier genetically engineered by the Chinese, etc. A Golden Age Superman villain, the Ultra Humanite, who will actually be showing up pretty soon in the books we're covering, you know, in the normal episodes, was reconceptualized in that event as a living weapon created by the Soviet Union. And he ended up being, well, it, I guess, it ended up being the, you know, the major villain of the common plot thread that ran through all the books. There were also the Amalgam events in 1996 and 1997. These books were co-published with Marvel and saw the companies basically just smashing their two universes together, merging them to create a whole new universe populated with characters made out of the established ones. For instance, um, Spider-Boy. He combined elements of the pre- and post-crisis Superboys along with Spider-Man. There was Dark Claw, who was a combination of Batman and Wolverine. And most notable, as far as this podcast goes, was Super Soldier, a combination of Superman and Captain America. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. There were actually two different Super Soldier books released. 
one set in modern times, simply called Super Soldier, and the other was a flashback tale set during World War II, titled Super Soldier, Man of War. Both books were by Mark Wade and Dave Gibbons, and saw Super Soldier facing off against villains like the Green Skull, who was a merger of Lex Luthor and the Red Skull, and Ultra Metallo, a combination of Ultron and Metallo, obviously. As with a lot of the Amalgam books, these two particular issues were just a whole lot of fun, and I wish I could devote more time to them in this episode, but that's really a better topic for either another episode or another show entirely. So, to bring it back to the podcast, when I was first planning the show, which, again, seems like a long, long time ago, I knew the time would inevitably come when I would need a break or that I would fall behind, and it hasn't happened yet. In fact, I'm actually doing a lot better than I thought I would at keeping a consistent schedule. But my work schedule can be a bit erratic at times. As I think I've mentioned before, I work at a newspaper, and you just never know what's going to happen from day to day. Thankfully, the position I have isn't one that too often requires pulling double shifts or anything, but I like to be prepared. Plus, you know, you just never know what other emergencies might come up or family situations that take priority or whatever. Since I'm really striving to come out on a consistent weekly basis, I know I know what a disappointment it can be when a show you listen to misses a week, even if it misses a week for a good reason. But since I, I really wanted to come out on that consistent weekly basis, I wanted a fail-safe to provide a bit of leeway should a situation ever prevent itself where I get behind. So I began thinking about what I could do, and the idea I came up with was to take a cue from the comics themselves and institute fifth weeks. So that said, I'm still going for the weekly schedule, but on months that have five weeks, or five Tuesdays anyway, the fifth episode of that month will be a little something different. I'm going to break from the ongoing look at the stories and use those weeks to talk about something else where there's just a little less prep work and research involved. I'm going to do my best to keep the topics pertaining to Superman, because after all, that's why we're all here, but I might use them to veer off the specific topic of Superman's adventures in the 30s and 40s and take a deeper look at a certain part of the mythology or history. I've gotten a lot of comments from people that they really enjoy the history stuff I've been doing, and I enjoy exploring that stuff as well. So these fifth weeks will give me an opportunity to expand on the different aspects of those. For example, this week we all got a nice little history on publishing schedules and how DC has dealt with fifth weeks in the recent past. Or I might use them to look at something you know, that might be of interest to the fans of the Golden Age Superman that I wouldn't specifically cover on the show, be it a modern story or another character or what have you. For instance, one of these days, I really want to look a bit more into that Superman War of the Worlds book that I mentioned several episodes ago. Or I might just use them to, you know, give my opinion on something topical. Uh, but I will try to keep those to a minimum because... I don't think anyone's tuning into this show to hear me ramble on about the new Superman movie or whatever, but when I do have those, you can just think of those as the, the Thrilling Adventures of Superman's editorial page. So, But yeah, I will try to keep them on topic, or at least focus on things that I think will be of interest to the fans of the show, but 
basically they're going to be an anything can happen type of episode. And they will be shorter, but again, that's the point. Um, I just think it'll be a, a fun and useful thing for you listeners, and it will give me a breather and help break up the rhythm a bit more to help keep me on schedule. Plus, it will let me stretch my legs and talk about other things and show the legacy that these old stories have, which, personally, I think is really important. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of steel and more superman homepage.com presenting the amazing spider-man classics podcast year two starring myself john wilson along with joshua bertoni donovan grant and your favorite guest hosts of the comics podcasting community bringing you the classic 1960s adventures of peter parker mary jane gwen stacy and the gang as told by stan lee john ramita don heck jim moody john buscema and more and to kick the year off we're running a special episode in march with uh, uh, hold on wait a second Hey there, webheads. 12 months ago, a very special podcast came onto your iTunes feed, and to celebrate 12 months of that podcast being on your iTunes feed, we thought we'd take you on a special date to the movies, and what a movie it is! Why, it's about our very own webhead spinner Spider-Man, the first installment of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, guest starring one of the Power Rangers. Oh boy, we're in for a good time, so strap yourself in, and here's the hosts. This isn't a way a podcast is supposed to work. Peter, you're seeing the Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie without me? Why, no, Betty. I'm seeing it with all my friends, the Amazing Spider-Man Classics listeners, and you're invited, too. Even Liz Allen? Yes, Betty, even Liz Allen. Okay, as long as Ned can come. You know why I hate you, Leeds? Because you have a right to listen to this episode with Betty. The shadow of Spider-Man isn't standing between your earphones. Episode 28 kicks off the new year with an in-film commentary on the 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. And then we continue on in future episodes looking at the further adventures of Spider-Man, an amazing Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, and every guest appearance and cameo we can find. Only at Amazing Spider-Man Classics, found on iTunes and at AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. Before I get to all the normal end of show folder all, I have one note to make. For those of you who subscribe to the show via the RSS feed, please be aware that that feed has changed. It was pointed out to me that the feed I had linked wasn't picking up all the posts from the site. 
So if you use the RSS feed, please head on over to greatcrypton.com and get the link to the new and improved feed. That's linked on the sidebar near the top. There's a little RSS graphic. You can just click on that and add it to whatever RSS reader you use. I'm sorry for the inconvenience. It's just one of those things that was a major oversight on my part, and I apologize for the hassle. But this should be, you know, crossing fingers, the only change you'll have to make uh, if you subscribe that way. So if you subscribe via iTunes, you should be fine. But again, if you subscribe via the RSS feed, head on over to the site for the new one because the one you're getting now isn't getting everything that it should. So I think that about does it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming as we look at the Superman story from Action Comics number 11, which finds Superman squaring off against some uh, phony stock swindlers. So that should be fun. In the meantime, feel free to send an email to thrillingadventures at greatcrypton.com or you can check out the show notes at the website and leave comments there. The show is also on Facebook. Just search for Thrilling Adventures of Superman or head on over to the website and click the little Facebook icon. You can also find the iTunes and the new RSS feed links there as well. Don't forget to check out the Superman Podcast Network, home to many great Superman-related podcasts and vidcasts. I also invite you to check out a new show that I'm doing with my buddy Michael Kaiser called Legends of the Batman where we are covering everything Batman from the beginning. The first episode of that will be posted in just a couple days after this episode comes out, so head on over to Batman Legends and give that a listen. As always, Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thanks again for listening to the thrilling adventures of Superman. I will talk to you later. Goodbye. Just fly super